Good morning, everybody. I uh, hope you're all doing well. We are excited to be able to worship with you all again this morning. <clears throat> um, we're going to play a few songs here in just a, a couple minutes. Um, and then after that, Pastor Bob is going to bring us a message. Um, we just encourage you to take this time as you're right there in your home to just worship. Um, make this time about you and the Lord. Um, set aside everything that's going on. We know there's so much craziness going on in the world right now. But we would just encourage you to set everything to the side and just focus on the Lord right now. And as we do that, we're going to go to him in prayer. <clears throat> Lord, we are thankful for your love, Lord, in our lives, for everything that you've given us, Lord. We're thankful um, to be able to meet together, even in this digital way, Lord, not physically together, but that we're still able to just come together and worship you. We ask that you would bless our time as we worship this morning, Lord. Um, open our hearts to allow us to see and hear from you, Lord, anything that you have for us. And uh, we just ask that above all that you would be glorified this morning. In your name we pray, amen.
we just thank you for this time that we've had to worship, Lord, this morning. We ask that you would allow our hearts to remain open, Lord, as uh, Pastor Bob comes to share the word this morning. Amen. Right now we're going to take a short break so that we can rearrange the stage a little bit and um, you guys can grab a cup of coffee or um, whatever you need to do and uh, come right back in just a few minutes and Pastor Bob's going to come share a message with us. Thanks. Hey guys, it's good to be back with you in this virtual form. I'm glad that you're here. A couple of things I want to mention um, just as we get started. First of all, let us know how we can pray for you. You can email us, you can text us um, on our website. You can get in contact with us. We'd love to be able to continue to keep you in prayer. Just let us know the needs as you know them. And then let us know how you're doing also. If, you, if things are going well, great. And just, just kind of keeping us up to date, we would appreciate that. Along with that, do you need help? We would love to know and see if there's ways we can help. We're getting lots of offers from people, people who are willing to shop for you, people who are willing to go get medicine for you, people, just a number of different things. And uh, we just would love for you to let us know so that we can help and be involved in people's lives. I also want to remind you, you can go online or you can go to our YouTube channel. Uh, we have an ongoing series called Not a Message, Just a Thought. Uh, every every week, just putting up uh, shorter theme things that uh, I feel like are impactful in our lives. Uh, the sermons are on there, and also Wednesday nights at 6.30, we, we gather together here. We live stream and pray together. Um, also, Holy, uh, Jose is starting up this week in Holy Week. Uh, um, every morning, a new thought about Holy Week, and then we're starting a new series too. Bill Cumby, our master teacher, is going to start the book of Ephesians. It should, should be up, the first one should be up there uh, pretty quickly and you can access that. And it's about a half an hour of, of just great teaching on the book of Ephesians. So as, we, um, as we've been going through all this time together all over the whole world, you, you know, different things I, I've been thinking about and, and um, I was thinking about today's Palm Sunday and I, I understand that. We've done a lot of messages on Palm Sunday and, and the, the importance of it and, and what's involved there. But I want to talk about something a little different. And I've talked about this w once or so before, and I've kind of want to redo it. But I think it's that this time, what things we're going through, this has really brought this to my heart and on my mind. And I, I titled it The Waiting. And it's, and it's talking about Holy Saturday. You know, because right now we're in kind of a waiting period of time. We're not sure how things are going to turn out I in a few weeks possibly many of us could be sick um, and so we wait and and we pray and we have to keep on living and and it can be getting difficult for some people we have people in, in our uh, our fellowship of believers who have been laid off we have people whose hours have been reduced and so now they're in a financially uh, difficult waiting time and others we have students now who uh, don't know if they're going to have a graduation we have uh, students who have lost seasons of sport. We've had people who this has caused, um, in different ways, it's caused difficulty in their lives and we can't live normally. And this is a time where we kind of sit and, and we think, well, why are we in this time? Why is this happening? I don't always see it. And so we're going to look at that Saturday before Easter because it brings lessons to us, especially in this time. Lessons about waiting. Lessons about Why? And so as we, as we um, look towards this next weekend and we look towards Easter, what we're doing is we're dealing with two different days. First of all, we're dealing with Friday, Good Friday, 
You know, we're, we, and, and it's an unbelievable dense day. There was the Garden of Gethsemane. There was Jesus' arrest. There was the trial before the Sanhedrin uh, when Jesus is before Pilate. And then there's the crucifixion, and it's just, it's just a difficult uh, day. I mean, it's, a, it's an incredible day. It's um, full of pain. It's full of anguish. It's a day where everyone has a different agenda and this darkness that is revealed on this earth. And Jesus actually chooses, I will take it all on me. Jesus uh, chooses this because he, he knew what was coming. He knew it had to happen. And so Friday is the day he died. And Friday is the darkest day in human history. It's the worst day. And then, and then there's Easter Sunday, right? And Sunday is an amazing day. It's a day when the stone gets rolled away and, and Jesus comes back to life. And, and nobody saw Sunday coming. Sunday's the day that is just about this transcendent, this death-defying, grave-defeating, fear-destroying, hope-inspiring, awesome, life-giving, transcendent joy in the history of the world. The world has never recovered from what happened on Easter Sunday. Pentecostals still shout about it. Charismatics still dance because of it. Baptists still say amen over it. Presbyterians still study it. Episcopalians raise a glass of sherry to toast it. Our world has never gotten over what happened on Easter Sunday. But for us, you know, I'm thinking if you're here, if, if you're listening to this, you're watching this, and you're struggling with some problems, and, and you need some hope, and you want to know how can one day change your life, and your eternal destiny forever. You have to tune in next week because that's Easter Sunday and we're going to talk about that. But today is Saturday. It's not Sunday. It's the day after this one, but it's the day before this one. This is the day when uh, a prayer gets prayed because your hopes are crushed. This is the day a, a, a soul gets crushed before the day the soul is lifted up. It's a strange day. It's an in-between day. It's not Friday, and it's not Sunday. And so you're in between despair and joy. You're in between utter confusion and blinding clarity. You're in between bad news and good news, darkness and light, death and life, hate and love. It's the in-between day. And it's kind of odd because so much happens on Sunday. So much happened on Friday days that are full of, of just incredible things happening. Nothing happens on Saturday. At the heart of the story, at the heart of the story of Jesus, at the heart of human history, are these three days, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And these two are so packed. They are, these two are literally the most studied, most written about days in human history. And then there's Saturday. And even in the Bible, there's a little blurb about the guards being posted to the tomb. But even in the Bible, we're not told anything that's happening on Saturday. On Good Friday, our sins get paid for. On Easter Sunday, our hope is brought back to life. And the Saturday is the day with no name. Saturday's the day when not much happened. You won't hear a lot of sermons about Saturday between Friday and Sunday. But I found one. It's by an early church father called Epiphanius. And this is part of what he wrote about Holy Saturday. He said, what happened today on earth on Saturday? There is a great silence, a great silence and stillness. A great silence because the king sleeps. 
God has died in the flesh and hell trembles with fear. He has gone to search for our first parent as for a lost sheep. So today you and I look at Saturday and I want to do this. I don't want us to look at it from our perspective, not from the other side of Sunday. But I want to look at it from the perspective of the people who lived in it. Because there is a reason for Saturday and it will matter to us. When Saturday comes, the disciples had not slept much for a couple of days, and so by the time they collapse Friday night, they've not had hardly any sleep. And they wake up Saturday morning, the town that was screaming, the city that was screaming for blood has gone silent, the crowds have disbanded, Jesus is dead. Now imagine this, before Sunday, Saturday morning, and they wake up and they think Jesus is dead. What do you do on Saturday? Probably they gathered quietly. Maybe they remember it's what people do when they've lost someone they love dearly. Remember the things he said. Remember what he taught. Remember the things he did. Remember the people he touched, the lives he changed, the people he healed. They remember what it felt like when Jesus, the most brilliant man they had ever heard, And he said, come follow me. These were ordinary, unschooled men. You know, we've talked about this a little bit. I think it's very key for us to remember. In in those days, in the synagogues, they had schools. and, and, And they had a couple of levels of schooling. First level, when they're young, they learn to read. They learn to write. They memorize some scripture. And then when that level's done people head out and begin learning a trade, except for the ones who were the best, the ones who were the most studious, the ones who seemed to have the most aptitude. They went to the next level. And at the next level, they learned more. They memorized much more. Some memorized even the, the whole Bible for them, the whole Old Testament for us. And, and they learned theology, and they worked through those things, and they, and they worked through difficult issues. And then they were done. And some then went on most to get a trade to begin working, a farmer, a fisherman, you know, whatever it may be. But a few, a few that were the most studious and had the most aptitude, they moved on. And what they would do is they would petition, or they would, <clears throat> in a sense, petition a, a, uh, a rabbi. I want to become your disciple. I would like to follow you and study you. And the rabbi would evaluate them, sometimes take them in for a few days and ask questions, difficult questions, and evaluate them, and the rabbi would decide, um, yes, you're good enough, follow me. Or no, you're not good enough, go learn a trade. So when Jesus went and started um, picking his disciples, you have to remember, they were involved in trades. What does that tell us? They weren't the best and they weren't the brightest. They were the ones who said, hey, you know, good job, right? You're in the bluebird reading group. That's okay. Now go learn a trade. Go become a farmer. Go become a fisherman. Go become a technon, a builder. Go go do that. But what happened? Jesus went to those men who were the losers, the ones who didn't make it, the ones who didn't get picked, and he said, I choose you. Follow me. Now, think about how astounding that is. Disciples petition the rabbi for the opportunity to become their disciple. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus said, I choose you. I choose you. I choose you. I can imagine someone saying, I choose you. I'm not not good enough to be a rabbi. Jesus is like, yeah, I'll choose you. I'll make you good. I'll make you. Why? Because he said, come follow me and I will make you 
fishers of men. You will not make yourself a fisher of man. I will make you that. And so what happens? He chooses the people who were not chosen. I want you. I want you. I want you. Follow me. See, they remember that. They remember how incredible that was, that a rabbi, this incredible rabbi, chose them. They remember their hopes and dreams. They thought they were going to change the world. They thought, following Jesus, they were going to change the world. And maybe they also talked about what went wrong. Coming to grips with an unfathomable thought, Jesus failed. Jesus ended up a failure. It was a noble attempt. He couldn't get enough followers. He couldn't convince the chief priests. He couldn't win over Rome to make peace. He couldn't get enough ordinary people to understand and follow his message. He couldn't even train his disciples to be courageous in a moment of great crisis, and they, he failed. And then the worst moment, the one they probably didn't want to talk about, comes at the cross. On the cross, Jesus did not, he did not die this serene, heroic death. He did not say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He did not say, um, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. He did not say, the Lord is my light and my salvation. What did he say? He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? See, to them, this confirms the failure. Because to them, God deserted Jesus. He always seemed so close to God, and God left him. And so... They look at this as just, it's just world-shattering. One author wrote this, the, in, in the cry, is the cry of the crucified why, not echoed by every victim of oppression, accident, and disease, as they plead for meaning in the midst of the world's absurdity. And the silence of Holy Saturday that greets his question is the same sorrowing stillness of the cancer ward and the concentration camp. This author realized that Jesus' cry on the cross just must have crushed the disciples. They can't understand. If this is the best man they've ever met, the person closer to God than anyone they've ever known, and he's failed, this kind of failure, this kind of rejection, this person, they look at this and they think Jesus was humiliated and felt abandoned by God and died. Then where is there any hope? This is Saturday. These times where we wonder, where is hope? I see no hope. I feel no hope. And oftentimes on a Saturday, too, we remember our own failures because they probably remembered theirs, and they probably did not want to talk about this. That Judas, one of their own, betrayed Jesus by giving a kiss. The mark of honor of a disciple is to greet his rabbi with a kiss. And, Jesus does, and Judas does this to Jesus. That's where we get the phrase, kiss of death. And they remember how Jesus greeted Judas. I mean, have you ever been betrayed by somebody? Jesus replied, friend, do what you came for. Friend. He called Jesus a friend. He called Judas a friend, I should say. He used to talk about how the kingdom of God belonged to the people who love their enemies, and he used to say the meek will inherit the earth. Jesus loved his enemies, and he was meek, and all he got was death and burial into the ground. He didn't inherit the earth. He was buried in the earth. 
And Peter, we know Peter dealt with this in a terrible way, knowing that three times he denied Jesus. I don't know this man. I don't know this man. But every one of them, Mark 14, 50, it says every one of them deserted him and fled. They remember Saturday. Saturday is the day your dream died. You wake up and you're still alive. You have to go on, but you don't know how. Worse, you don't know why. It brings up this odd question. You know, it's a strange story. Why is there a Saturday? Why even have Saturday? Jesus, Jesus died on Friday. He was raised on Sunday. Why not just have him die and then, boom, raise him right from the dead? Why have this time? And I think there's a reason. Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. He says, For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and he was buried, and he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. There's that phrase, though, according to the Scriptures, according to the Scriptures. There's something deep going on here. And throughout Scriptures, we see these things. We see third-day stories. The, the, the Old Testament is full of them. Joseph's brothers get put in prison, and then they're released on the third day. In the book of Joshua, when, uh, when the Israelite spies, they're told by Rahab to hide from their enemies, and they'll be safe on the third day. In Esther, which we studied not, not that long ago, she goes away to fast and pray, and on the third day, she's received favorably by the king. Abraham, when he's not understanding this whole thing about sacrifice, on the third day, his son's life is saved. There's a bunch of those. In fact, Scripture talks about them when we get back into, into the book of Hosea, um, in Hosea chapter 6. He says, come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will restore us that we may live in his presence. On the third day, he will restore us. There's all these things going on. Even though sometimes they're symbolic, they're talked about as third-day stories, three-day stories. So how's, this is what happens. On the first day, there's this trouble. There's this difficulty. There's Good Friday. On the second day, there's this waiting. And on the third day, there is deliverance. And deliverance comes from God. In the third day story, the problem is, though, when you're in day two, you don't know day three's coming. You don't know it's a three-day story until the third day shows up. And so when it's Friday or even Saturday, as far as you know, deliverance is never going to come. Maybe it's a one-day story and it'll just be trouble for the rest of my life. The only thing I can think of to illustrate this <clears throat> is... Uh, I, am, uh, I was born in Washington, D.C., uh, downtown, and I love Washington, and I love Washington sports. I mean, it's what you have to do if you're born somewhere. And last year, the Washington Nationals won the World Series. Of course, no one knew that Washington Nationals were going to win the World Series. In fact, they drove their fans crazy. They started the season 19 and 31, 19 wins and 31 losses. At one point, a major betting organization listed them as less than 1% to make it to the World Series. And it was like Friday. When they were 19, end of May, I was like, this is it. I thought this team was good. They had such good players, and man, they stink. They're playing terrible. The dream died. 
And that hole that they dug made it tough to believe that they'd ever make it to the playoffs, much less the World Series. And it was this incredible roller coaster ride. Now, national fans like me, we celebrate now because we made it to the third day. There was the World Series, and we won. And the Nationals won. See, Sunday was coming the whole time, but we didn't know it. Now, <clears throat> being a Washington, Washingtonian, I'm also a Redskins fan. And it's been a long time. We haven't even got to Saturday. We're still in Friday. That's the way I feel about it. Yesterday was Friday. Today is Friday. Tomorrow's going to be Friday. It's always Friday when you love the skins. Because the secret to being a Washington Redskins fan is the same secret that I used in parenting an adolescent. Lower your standards. That's the only way to get through it. All right? So Jesus now, we, we see this, this story unfolding, and they're in the, his, his followers are in this middle time this Saturday, where it seems like nothing happens, but something does happen on Saturday, actually. And it's this. It's silence. This is what happens on Saturday. You get in the agony of Friday, and you call out to God, God, help me. God, hear me. God, listen to me. God, respond to me. God, do something. Please rescue me. And then Saturday comes. Silence. Nothing happens. You can't see anything going on around you. When C.S. Lewis uh, wrote his memoirs about coming to faith in Jesus, he called the book Surprised by Joy. It's a great book if you've never read it. Um, he got that title from a poem by Wordsworth, uh, but it's how his desire, his, his love of joy that ultimately led him to his faith in Christ. But there's a little bit more to that. At that time he was writing it also, he had met this woman and her name was Joy. And at 53 years old, he ended up marrying her. And they loved each other dearly. After a lifetime of waiting, he's given this gift, this unexpected love. But it was only a couple of years of happiness. Unfortunately, Joy got cancer, and it was, it was tragic. And after a long, difficult time, she died. And so he wrote another book. It's not called Surprised by Joy. The book is called A Grief Observed. It's a Saturday book. It's a book about feeling like God is distant and remote. Now, for each of us, we're all different. I don't know what your Saturday is. But if you stick around long enough, you will have a Saturday. We see it all around us. A wife, a mother who wants more than anything in the world to save her marriage, and her husband will not listen and will not help. She's not perfect, she knows that, but she wants to do the right thing. She can't find out why, and she can't stand what it's doing to her children, and heaven is silent. A mom and a dad find out a child they love has a terminal illness. They pray like crazy, but there's only silence. A terrific guy meets a woman he's been waiting for his whole life, and when his heart is vulnerable, totally on the line, she says, uh, no thanks, I don't think so. And he doesn't know if there'll ever be anyone else. What are Saturdays for us? You lose a job. You lose a friend. You lose your health. You have a dream for your child and it's gone. You have a dream for your work and it doesn't pan out. You have a dream for your life and you never quite reach it. And on Friday it dies. But what do you do on Saturday? What do you do on Saturday? But according to Scripture, all of these things are three-day stories. In our world, trouble comes on Friday. And people take different ways they deal with it. 
One option is you could just choose despair. We see this actually in Scripture. In 1 Corinthians 15, 12, Paul writes, it says, but it is preached that Christ has been raised. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can you, some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? And, and, and kind of what's going on here, uh, in other words, is people are saying, no, it's not going to be Sunday. It's just Friday. Don't get your hopes up. You got no hope. Death is the end. Just get used to it. Just do disappointment management. Because this, this is as good as it's going to get. And some people, oftentimes silently, they, they live there. They live in despair. And, and it manifests itself oftentimes when things go wrong in their lives. They can, when things are going right, they're fine with this, this, this kind of just denial that, that, or the, this despair. But when things go wrong, the despair kind of wells up in their life. They get depressed. They struggle. Because when we say this is all there is, there's no underlying hope to work with. There's another option. Some people go this route. Sometimes people in churches go this route. This is denial. This is when you settle for simplistic explanations, impatience, artificial pleasantness, forced optimism, cliched formulas, false triumphalism. There were people in the early church who went this route. And Paul writes about this also. In 2 Timothy 2.18, he says, there are some who have wandered away from the truth they say the resurrection has already taken place, and they destroy the faith of some. Apparently, what some people are saying is, it's Sunday already. You guys, did you miss it? The resurrection has happened for all of us. So if you have problems, if you are still sick, if your prayers aren't being answered, you just don't have enough faith. It's your fault. You haven't figured it out. So get with the program. That's denial. And there's a third option. You can wait. That's a tough option. Just wait on the Lord. Not just wait around. Wait on the Lord. Now, this has nothing to do with passivity. It means whatever I do while it's Saturday, I do with him. I learn to work with him even when he feels far away. I learn to cry out to him even when I think he's not listening. I learn to rest in him when I feel like he's not near me. I try to learn. I ask questions. I complain. That's Saturday. That's waiting. If I can't connect to God any other way, I complain. And oddly enough, this is in the book of Psalms. It's called the laments. The single most common type of psalm is a psalm of complaint, a psalm of lament. It's a Saturday psalm. It's God, where are you? God, act. God, why aren't you listening to me? And I want to tell you a secret. You can actually be with God in the disappointment of Saturday, in the failure, in the pain of Saturday, in a way that you can't be with God in any other day. Because on Saturday, we know God is our only hope. We're at our wit's end. I only have you, God, and you seem far away, but I'm clinging to you. That's Saturday. And the Bible says it was necessary for Jesus to enter into Saturday. In Matthew the people said, give us a sign, Jesus. We'll believe you. Do something I made. Give us a sign. And he knows. Jesus knows the human heart is not transformed simply by acts of power. But he does say, I'll give you a sign. He says, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a, of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So Jonah is another three-day story. And Jesus relates to that. 
Now let me say, let me say a, just a real quick thing about how the Bible calculates time, because we'll look at this and we'll go, wait a minute, three days, three nights, I don't understand how that works, doesn't seem right. Okay, this is, this is how the Bible uh, uh, calculates and reckons time. Um, we do it differently. Uh, uh, maybe an example, this is a purely hypothetical example, but imagine a young pastor, his wife, they have small children, and, uh, and they are lots of, those children are lots of work, and her husband, who is normally an incredibly huge help, a heroic help even, around the home, um, he has to go away on a trip. He has to go speak somewhere over a weekend. So he leaves on Friday morning. He returns Saturday night, and she says, oh, you were gone three days. And he says, no, 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 I saw you on Friday, and I saw you on, I see, I'm seeing you on Sunday. I was really only gone one day. And she says, no, it was three. And he says, no, it was one. Now, Who's right in this? Who's right in this? She's right. Because if you've been away speaking, and people are giving you strokes, and they tell you how good you are, and they tell you how you've impacted, impacted their life, and how awesome you are, and this saint of a woman has stayed home changing poopy diapers, and being thrown up on, and listening to incessant childish questions, you better treat her like a queen. No, really, you should treat her like a freaking king, right? Because the king is always right. So she is right. That's just straight up Bible teaching right there. She's right there. And the Hebrew system was inclusive in this. They would count all of every day. If you were gone part of the day, they said you were gone, you were gone Friday. And so Jesus is saying, my story is a three-day story, just like Jonah's story. Jesus is saying, I'll go through Friday for you. I'll go to Saturday for you. And that, that's a gift. Because Friday's behind us. The crucifixion happened a long time ago. Our ultimate resurrection is, is still coming. The ground still produces thorns. We still face pilots and Herods and crowds. Our bodies still bleed. We still age. The people we love die. We live between Friday and Sunday. We live on Saturday. We live on Saturday. That's the story of Jesus. That's the story of us in many ways. And somehow on this earth, there was at a point of time this great silence because the king sleeps. God died in the flesh and hell trembles with fear. You know, Peter knew this. On Saturday, Peter was in his own special hell, having denied Jesus three times. And what did Jesus do after he rose? He sought him out. And he says, no, 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 my friend. I will not let you stay in this hell. I need you, and you need me. And so we have this idea of Saturday that goes very deep, deeper than we even realize, because the king, the king has been raised, is going to be raised. Jesus is God incarnate. Now, from the human standpoint, we think of the miraculous day. Really, from our standpoint, the miraculous day is Sunday, the day Jesus rose from the dead. But from heaven's standpoint, you know, I was thinking about this week. I wonder if the greater miracle wasn't Saturday. Remember when Jesus was born, the skies were filled with heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest because of that little baby, Emmanuel, God with us. Somehow God in the manger. Somehow God was in the manger with us on earth. Now think about on Holy Saturday. The angels look down and what do they see? They see the God who died on the cross buried in the tomb. 
The miracle of Sunday is that a dead man lives. The miracle of Saturday is that the eternal Son of God is in a tomb. He defeats our greatest enemy, death, not by proclaiming his invincibility over it, but by submitting himself to it. And so, so, people of First Church, people who are listening to me, if you can find this Jesus in the grave, if you can find them in death, where has he not been? Where will you not find him? Where will he not turn up? Where, where in this universe does not now belong to him? So whatever your pain, whatever your rejection, whether your dream has died, whether it maybe your longing has not been fulfilled, whatever your failure, whatever your regret, whatever your shame, whatever your disappointment, this is not the end. We're just on Saturday. And deliverance is coming, so don't give up. Don't despair. Don't waver. Don't give in. Don't quit. Don't quit. This is Saturday. And Sunday is coming. And next Sunday, we're going to gather together like this. And we're going to talk about this great and awesome day that changed the course of the whole world and still resonates with truth in our lives today. Let me pray. Father, we thank you for this time. Father, we thank you for the truths that we can gather from your word. That there was this day of waiting. The disciples went through it. We go through it. And it had to happen because it accomplished what was foretold long ago in the Old Testament. A three-day story culminating in the deliverance of God. And so, Father, in our lives, you know everyone who is listening, everyone who is watching, everyone who will listen to this later. You know, Lord, you know their hearts. You know where they stand before. You know the struggles. You know the pains. You know the difficulties. And I just pray, Lord, that for each one of us, you would touch our hearts. And in maybe some way in this next week, Lord, that you would impact us in a way that would make us sit up and take note. Father, for those of us who know you, we pray that this week would be a week where we would look for opportunities to serve. Maybe our neighbors, maybe those around us, help us to be people who look for opportunities to lift up the name of Jesus in word or in deed. And so, Father, give us that. And we thank you, Lord, for your love for us. In this difficult time, we pray that your glory would show forth and that people would look and turn to you. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we end, I just would like to say, um, I quoted this Wednesday, Paul was writing to Timothy, and Paul tells him, he says, I long to see you. And he tells him why? So that my joy will be complete. My joy will be full. And, um, and I can tell you for Jose and other, we miss you guys like crazy. And uh, we love you. We pray for you. And we just pray that God would be keeping you safe and that there will be a time in the not-too-distant future where we will all be back here together, singing and worshiping and praising together, studying God's Word. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Have a great week.